Ever wonder what your therapist is really thinking? Well, that's confidential. But in this podcast, a few of my therapist friends and me show you what it's really like inside of a mental health professional's brain. Hi, welcome to Through the Eyes of a Therapist podcast. I'm Crystal Martinez Acosta, licensed professional counselor, board certified counselor. We discuss books, movies, TV shows, motherhood, current events, clinical issues, mental illness, trauma, and our own personal lives. So if you want to know what we're thinking, come on in, take a listen. Come see what the world is like through the eyes of a therapist, the podcast that destigmatizes mental illness, humanizes therapists, and demystifies therapy. Hi, Crystal Martinez Acosta here. I'm doing a solo episode today. I'm here to talk to you about the differences between trauma-informed care and trauma-focused care. A lot of you have probably heard about the widely sensational buzz phrase of trauma-informed care. It's been widely used since about 2015-2016, which is generally a really good thing. What it's been doing is bringing awareness to trauma survivors and the impact of adverse childhood experiences, including the ACEs study. So I think that that's where we should start. So the ACEs study was originally done at Kaiser Permanente in California from 1995 to 1997 with two waves of data collection. ACEs stands for Adverse Childhood Experiences Study. Over 17,000 HMO members from Southern California receiving physical exams completed confidential surveys regarding their childhood experiences and current health status and behaviors. What researchers found in the study was that at least 67% of respondents reported at least one adverse childhood experience. There are 10 items on the ACEs questionnaire, and they range anywhere from have you experienced episodes of domestic violence, witnessing domestic violence in your home, all the way to having somebody in your home dealing with mental illness or surviving a natural disaster, things of that sort. And 20% of respondents reported at least three or more ACEs. What they also found is that there is a direct correlation between ACEs scores and an increase in health problems. So what that means is that the more ACEs that you experience in childhood, at least ages 18 and under, that means that you will probably likely have health problems, physical health problems later in life, such as heart disease, tendencies or propensities towards alcohol or drug abuse, suicide attempts, including also mental health issues like depression, anxiety, and things of that nature. So this has become a public health issue as well. Screening for trauma is something that doctors should start becoming more aware of because that is part of trauma-informed care as we will get into a little bit later, if we look at people who have had or who do have health issues and extensive health issues, we might be able to find a correlation or relationship between their health issues and their history of childhood trauma. 
So when we talk about trauma-informed care versus trauma-focused care, one of the first things that we talk about or that I do in trainings as far as trauma-informed care is talk about the ACEs study because this really sets a foundation for understanding why treating trauma and also understanding the impact of trauma and the prevalence of trauma is important and critical in our practices and everyday interactions. So when we talk about trauma-focused care, what we're really saying is that we're focusing in on treating things like the ACEs, the adverse childhood experiences, or even things that come up after the age of 18, right? So I think another place that we need to do some background exploration is what is trauma exactly? More so than the ACEs, right? Because those 10 items on the ACEs questionnaire, that's not where trauma ends, right? That is not the end-all be-all of trauma. We have to think about everything else in between and everything that happens to people on an everyday basis on a subjective level and also beyond the age of 18. So let's talk about the definition of trauma. According to the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, the definition of trauma is an event, series of events, or set of circumstances that is experienced by an individual as physically and or emotionally harmful or threatening, and that has lasting adverse effects on the individual's functioning and or physical, social, emotional, or spiritual well-being. In other words, in any event, series of events that can overwhelm a person's ability to cope and it has a lasting impact on internal and external systems of the person. So we are not to judge if something is traumatic or not for another person. And a kind of silly example that I like to give my clients and people that I train is when I stub my toe, right? So if I were to stub my toe and let's say my sister were to stub her toe. I walk away from stubbing my toe and I'm perfectly fine. Let's say I even break my toe. And those of you who have broken a toe know that that is an extremely painful experience, unless you have a high tolerance for pain, but that's another story. However, let's say I walk away from breaking my toe and I end up even going hiking that day just because I have that high level of pain tolerance and I'm perfectly fine. On the other hand, my sister ends up also stubbing her toe, breaking her toe, but then she ends up bawling, crying, bending over, you know, crying in pain, screaming in pain, and then spends her next three or four days in bed, calls out sick from work, and kind of ends up in a depressive episode because of it. And so an insensitive thing to say would be, why are you behaving this way? You just broke your toe, right? So if she broke her toe and that is traumatic for her, then that is something that she gets to decide. It just overwhelmed her ability to cope at the moment. And that is how she's handling it. And for me, for whatever reason or reasons, including protective factors, resiliency, biological factors, um, external assets, internal, other things that are helping me cope with and deal with my broken toe. 
access to resources. Maybe I was able to get to a doctor. My husband's an athletic trainer and maybe he was able to get me to an ice bucket right away and I was able to handle the pain a little bit better. Things like that, right? So my experience was just not as traumatic as my sister's. So I know that's a silly example, but this is just a way to illustrate how trauma is subjective. And so sometimes when people describe things like trauma, and I've heard this before on Instagram and by other trainers in trauma care and trauma awareness, describing trauma as big T's and little T's or capital T's and lowercase T's. We can't necessarily designate for the client what is a big T or what is a little T. The client gets to do that for themselves. If it was traumatic for them, it was traumatic for them. I'm not able to tell my sister, oh, well, that broken toe was a little T or a lowercase t compared to maybe a car accident that they were in or a loss of a child that they had to endure or whatever it was in comparison in their life. So they're the ones who subjectively get to designate that trauma in their life. So anyway, that's a little bit about the definition of trauma. So we've covered ACEs, we've covered the definition of trauma. And so when we talk about trauma-focused care, What we're doing is we are focusing in on the trauma, focusing in on treating the trauma, either with a trauma-focused treatment, such as eye movement, desensitization, and reprocessing, EMDR, or trauma-focused cognitive behavioral therapy, which is TFCBT, or cognitive processing therapy, which is CPT, brain spotting, prolonged exposure, child-parent psychotherapy, and somatic experiencing, just to name a few. So with these treatments, again, we are honing in on the trauma and the traumatic material that is stuck in the brain. And the way that most of these treatments do that is by focusing on a few different things and different components. So the way I was trained, um, in thinking about trauma is that there are a few components that we want to focus in on. One is that whenever we have a trauma, there is a thought process that goes on. So we want to focus in on the cognition, the thoughts that we have that went along with that event. Then we also want to focus in on the feelings or the affect, right? The emotions that we felt during that traumatic event. On top of that, we also want to focus in on processing the body sensations that went on during that traumatic event because we are one being, right? We are body, mind, and mental process. So we are a whole being. And the advantage of using a holistic trauma therapy is that we get to focus in on all three components of the trauma, right? We're not just focusing on the cognitions, for example. We're also not just focusing in on the body, for example, or we're not just focusing on the emotions. We're focusing in on all three parts of of us that were damaged during the traumatic event. And so I think it's really important to understand that as far as trauma-focused interventions. And so whenever you are seeking a 
trauma therapist, they should understand the basics of trauma care um, and trauma-focused care, understanding some of the basic neurology or neurobiology of trauma, what happens to the bottom brain and the top brain, the difference between the reptile brain and the frontal lobe, for example, and what each part of the brain is responsible for and why you react to a traumatic event the way that you do and maybe why you are stuck in feeling certain emotions or stuck with certain intrusive thoughts or behaviors, right? So that's where we start to segue into trauma-informed care. So trauma-informed care is being able to understand why a person is behaving the way that they do or the way that they are, right? So it goes beyond treating the person and treating the trauma. It goes beyond that and it goes into understanding and accepting the person for what they have been through and understanding that they are probably exhibiting a trauma response in that moment. And so trauma-informed care is a step above and beyond just treating the person. So when I hear people saying that they are trauma-informed, I'm a little suspicious, <laughs> to be honest, just because it is, yes, very popular and it's a buzz phrase right now. And so when I when I hear that, I do question if they truly are trauma-informed. And there are ways to tell people apart. And so I want to teach you a little bit about that right now. So for example, if you are in search of a therapist who is trauma-informed, here are some questions that you might want to ask and see if they truly are trauma-informed. So one question that I think would be really good to ask a therapist or an organization to see if they truly are trauma-informed is, number one, asking them, what is your philosophy on either misbehavior or difficult behaviors, right? And see how they answer you. So when somebody misbehaves, quote-unquote, or is exhibiting difficult behavior, what is the answer for that, right? So a trauma-informed person or a trauma-informed clinician will tell you that it's likely due to a trauma response. If somebody is exhibiting a trauma response, that behavior is due to probably a kind of stuck response, as I like to call it, in fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. So for example, if a child is throwing a tantrum in the middle of Walmart, I don't automatically assume that they are a bad child or that they are spoiled, right? Or that the parent is bad and that they're doing a bad job at parenting. What I want to automatically assume is that child has been triggered in some way and maybe they're traumatized and they're overstimulated at the moment. And maybe they need some sort of comfort or some sort of reassurance that they are safe. And so that's why they are acting out because they need something, so that's one good question to get to the bottom of and see if somebody really is trauma-informed. So that's one question to ask. Another somewhat obvious one would be, what type of training do you have in trauma treatment and how does that impact your practice? So what I would like to know about that practitioner or organization is how invested are they in 
training their staff to respond to trauma, right? And not only are they training the clinical staff, meaning the therapists, psychologists, psychiatrists in the most up and coming and latest evidence-based trauma treatments, just like the ones that I listed earlier, but are they also training the staff? Meaning, are they training staff to understand that whatever consumer stakeholder or community member that they come across could be having a trauma response at any moment? And how are they going to handle that person? Um, sort of interact with other community members in a trauma-informed and sensitive manner so that there is no punishment, no judgment, no harsh behavior, and definitely no re-traumatization. So that's another one. Another, not so much question, but maybe observation that I would like to suggest is maybe kind of looking at the structure of the organization. Who is in charge, right? Are there people of color in management? Are there people with lived experience who have mental illness in management? Are there women and minorities in management? Are there people on staff who speak various languages? Are there different people who look different and that are of different minority and marginalized groups on the staff and in the management team, such as from the LGBTQ plus community, who speak different languages, who are of different skin colors, who are of different able-bodiedness, and other types of groups. How dedicated are they to diversity and not only diversity, but inclusivity and equity, right? Because you can't be trauma-informed if you're not anti-racist and if you're not advocates for social justice. And so this is a really, really important point. This tells me a lot about an organization and it also tells me a lot about maybe what the therapists are standing for and what they are having to endure, right? And so just that observation, maybe not so much a question, but if you wanted to be a little bit more I guess, curious about that type of situation in the organization or wherever you're getting your care from, you can definitely inquire. You have the right to do that as a client or as a consumer at any place of business. Another question that you might want to ask or even an observation once you're already in therapy, but definitely a question if you're still in search of a therapist and making sure that they're trauma-informed is how treatment planning is done. Is a treatment plan made and how is it done? So for example, am I involved in the treatment planning phase? Am I able to have access to my records? How are notes kept? Do I have the ability to help you write your progress note? Do I have the ability to collaborate with the organization or with the therapist to make sure that my treatment is on track? A couple of other questions that you want to ask your therapist are as follows. How do you incorporate trauma-informed care into your assessment and intervention? How have you learned to enhance your practice by being trauma-informed? By asking these questions, what you'll find out is 
how they are infusing trauma-informed care and the information they have learned about trauma and the effects of trauma into how they are going to diagnose and into how they are going to treat their clients and patients. And also, another question to directly ask is, what does trauma-informed mean to you? That's a simple one, right? What does it mean to you to be trauma-informed? A few more things to consider about therapists who truly are trauma-informed are, do they make you feel safe in their office? Are they truly collaborating with you? How do they feel about diagnosis? Are they diagnosing you with depression, even though you have had a trauma history? Are they diagnosing you with depression or a personality disorder, and they're not considering the fact that you have a history of complex trauma? Trauma-informed therapists look at things through a different lens. They look at diagnosis through a different lens, and not only treatment through a different lens, but your behavior and your patterns and your relationships through a different lens. So these are some other things to consider. Back to racism and decolonization practices, the other thing that you want to consider about the organization that you visit and checking if they are truly trauma-informed if they are ignoring anti-racism work, they are also ignoring BIPOC histories and heritage. BIPOC is Black Indigenous People of Color. And if they are not doing anti-racist work and decolonization work and social justice work and trying to dismantle oppressive systems by trying to flatten management and flatten hierarchy, then they are not doing trauma-informed work, period. Trauma-informed therapists are also aware of the language that they are using to describe clients. For example, a client who maybe skips appointments or does not show to appointments is not resistant. Maybe they are avoiding because that is a survival mechanism and that is something that a trauma survivor does. They are fleeing as in the fight, flight, freeze response, right? So we don't want to use any type of judgmental language. Therapists also don't use stigmatizing language like crazy or hot mess or person last language. For example, instead of describing somebody as an ADHD child or a bipolar mom or somebody is a depressed patient or that kid is ADHD or that kid is bipolar. We always want to use person first language. For example, that child has struggles with ADHD or that person is diagnosed with bipolar disorder. We never want to say the word crazy. We always want to try to strive for better language such as wild or unbelievable even when we're talking casually with family and everyday language. Trauma-informed therapists are also aware of the office environments that they set up for their clients. We always try to respect privacy and try to keep everything soft and safe and in a calm environment. We always try to control for noise or strong scents and we definitely want to keep triggers to a minimum, such as loud noises or even having perpetrators being or having access 
to the building. Lighting is also important. We don't want to have really bright fluorescent lighting. We want to have soft lighting, but nothing too dark. And we also have to be aware of where we sit with our clients. We want to make sure that they feel safe and not too invaded upon. Whenever we are doing a somatic type of therapy with our client or things like EMDR, we want to make sure that we are in the two ships passing in the night position, such as one person is sitting to a little to the left and one person is sitting a little to the right of the other person. So if they were to walk by each other, they would pass each other and not bump into each other. And last but not least, the trauma-informed therapist also is aware of their own triggers and is doing something to manage their own triggers. So we are not perfect, and that's what part of this podcast is about, humanizing therapists. Some of us are wounded healers. I myself am a wounded healer and have survived some things in my past that I have healed from and am continuing to heal from. And so part of my journey is to ensure that I have managed some of these things and integrated some of these traumas in my life so that I do not pass that on to my client in the ways of oppressing my client or making the session about me and my triggers. So the best and most important thing that I can do is continue my own treatment in physical and mental health. So a trauma-informed therapist takes care of themselves. And in a future episode, I'm going to be talking to another therapist about how we manage our own triggers in session as well. So these questions are based on the principles of trauma-informed care, which are from the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. You can look it up on their website. And so anybody who is a trauma-informed care clinician or any organization who is trauma-informed must have all of these principles infused into their practices with clinicians, staff, stakeholders, community members, clients, parents, students, anyone. The cool thing about trauma-informed care is that it's not just limited to clinical practices. It can be really literally anybody in the community that can be trauma-informed. And so that's sort of the difference here between trauma-focused and trauma-informed care. So the next time that somebody tells you, I'm trauma-informed, you can ask these questions to make sure they really are. And you can kind of review the principles from the Substance Abuse Mental Health Services Administration and kind of see, are these people safe to be around? Are they trustworthy? Are they giving us choice? Are they collaborating with us? Are they collaborating with the community? Are they empowering people? Are they doing anti-racist and social justice work? Are they transparent in their practices? Are they doing right by their clients? Are they accountable? And if the answer is no, then they don't get to call themselves trauma-informed. And uh, they can hire somebody like me, who's a trauma-informed care consultant in the community, to come in and help them become trauma-informed. And so there you have it, folks. If you want to learn a little bit more about trauma-informed practices, you can visit tsp2021.com. 
www.eventbrite.com and you can register for my event coming up on November 5th, 2021 from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. CEUs will be provided for Texas social workers and licensed professional counselors. The title of the presentation is Essentials for a Trauma-Sensitive Practice. And it's a three-hour presentation that delves a little bit more into the basics of trauma-informed care for mental health professionals. If you have any questions about my services, consultation, or training in trauma-informed care or even trauma-focused care, you can reach out to me on Instagram or even write to me at crystal at See you next time. Thanks for listening to Through the Eyes of a Therapist podcast. Rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. And please connect with me, Crystal Martinez Acosta, licensed professional counselor, on Instagram at Through the Eyes of a Therapist Pod. More information about booking me for therapy or training can be found there. Until next time, keep on fighting the stigma and go to therapy. I'll see you next time.